I haven't used up all my words yet, so look out, everyone. <laughs> um, how about we pray, hey? If you want to stand, feel free. Heavenly Father, I thank you for our time together. I'm always humbled to be able to come around your word with other believers, Lord. It is such a privilege. Thank you for giving us your word so that we could have life by them, so that we could have eternal life, so that we could know you. And I ask that you would open our ears and our eyes spiritually today, open our hearts to receive your word, that we would leave here fed and changed by the power of God. In Jesus' name, amen. Awesome. Okay. Well, I'm doing um, Discerning the Times Part 3, but this time I've called it Discerning His Time. And we're looking at Jesus' coming for his own. Um, one of my all-time favorite topics, absolutely, in the Bible. If you can go to the next one there, Josh, for me, that would be great. I want to just go over this scripture again. Um, we've looked at it with each one of these sessions. So, then he, being Jesus, also said to the multitudes, whenever you see a cloud rising out of the west, immediately you say, a shower is coming, and so it is. And when you see the south wind blow, you say, there will be hot weather, and there is. Hypocrites, you can discern the face of the sky and of the earth, but how is it you do not discern this time? What was he talking about? What time was he talking about when he says this time? The time of Messiah, the time of Jesus being on the earth. They didn't discern the time of his first coming. They didn't discern his time. So he rebuked them, saying, hey, you can even read the weather and you can't understand what has been prophesied. So we need to know his time. You can go to that next one. Thanks, Josh. All right. I love this verse in Ephesians 1, 9 to 10. Um, one of my favorites because it talks about Jesus bringing everything together. Uh, he's the only one, isn't he? The only one that can bring all things together. So we're just going to read that. Uh, 1, 9 to 10 says, Having made known to us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in himself, that in the dispensation of the fullness of times, he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth in him. He's telling us there is a time coming. It's actually the fullness of times. The fullness of times is a whole convergence of times coming together when he is going to gather all those who are his, those who are in heaven, those who are on earth, they're going to be made one in Christ. Now, I'm pretty excited about that time. I'm very excited about that time. But I reckon Jesus is even more excited about that time when he gets the whole family home. You know, I always look forward to occasions of um, Christmas or weddings or whatever when I get to catch up with family, particularly family I haven't seen in a long time. You imagine how Jesus must be feeling. He is so excited to be preparing to catch up with the whole family together. Very cool. If you can go to the next one. All right. So I want to start off today with 
the promise. Um, what is the promise for this time that we're living in? There is one overriding, overarching promise for the people of God. And it's exciting. And if you show the next picture for me, it does have to do with a covenant, a promise that cannot be broken, that Jesus made to his disciples, that Jesus made to us. So we're going to have a look. If you've got your Bibles, who brought their Bibles today? You love the Word of God? Yay! All right. Well, you can look at it on the screen or you can turn to it with me. Um, John 14 there, 1 to 3. And it says this, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. Other translations there say rooms, which is probably more accurate. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. I'm so glad he didn't say for some of you. Because <laughs> I would straight away go, he's not talking to me. But he said, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. Wow, this is the promise. This is the time we need to be aware of. The time that Jesus promised he would come again for us and receive us to himself. Very good. We're going to refer to this uh, a little bit throughout this time this morning. But if we go to that next slide for me, I want to just point out something that I think might help to fix some confusion. So we often talk about Jesus is coming again. And that's true. His first coming, he came as a baby. But his second coming has two phases to it. Because there's two different people groups that he's coming to. The first event, he is coming for a group of people, his people. The second event, he is coming to a group of people. And these are not his people. So when we go through the scriptures, when we realize there's two different events, we're going to have a look at, at how that just helps to clarify things. So if you can go to that first one. The first event is a wedding. Now, who likes going to weddings? Do you know, my first wedding or my first memory of a wedding, I was only young and they had all this fancy food at the reception and I didn't like any of it. And you know, kids are kind of plain taste and I didn't like it. But somebody said there was going to be toast later. So I thought, ah, oh, someone's thinking. So I waited and I waited the whole wedding and at the end, they're all saying, cheers, you know. And, and I finally, I went up to my mum and I said, mum, they've forgotten the toast. And, um, and she finally realised that I had not understood. <laughs> so my first wedding was, was not very nice because all I remember was being so hungry and so disappointed that they didn't have any toast. But I tell you what. There's another wedding, and I know I'm going to like the food at this table. 
because the one who knows me better than anybody in the world is preparing it for me. He knows me so well, and he's gone to prepare a place for me and for you, and he's coming again for us. And there is going to be a magnificent wedding of the Lamb of God and his bride, his people. Now, if we have a look at that next slide, um, judgment. So the first time he comes, it's to gather his people for a wedding. The second time he comes is for judgment. And we're going to look at this. If you go to the next one for me, Josh. Okay, here's just some, definitely by no means all, but I got this slide from Chuck Missler. Um, It's just really clear. So what we call the rapture, or as it's called in 1 Thessalonians there, the catching away to meet the Lord in the air. These are all the references where he's mentioning his coming But it's not the second coming of Christ where he sets up his kingdom on earth. This is a secret coming for his people, a snatching away. Now, I really, really like this because it it just once again shows the enemy that he has no power over the church. Jesus said the gates of hell won't even prevail against the church. So... I'm just going to have a look at some of these scriptures, definitely not all of them today, or we'd be here till like the chosen at three o'clock this afternoon. So um, I'm going to just um, look at a few. But if you go to the next slide for me, and then we've got all these ones here. These references are the second coming, and they have really different qualities. So the first one, it refers to Jesus meeting his people in the air. The second one, it refers to Jesus literally standing on earth. So there's different things. One, he comes for his people. The second one, he comes with his people. One, he comes to reward his people. One, he comes for judgment of people. So they're very different. And when you, when you realize there's two different events, it helps you to understand what we're talking about when we're talking about the second coming. So when Jesus said, I go to prepare a place for you and I'll come again for you, that's not the whole world. That's not every single person. It's those who have received him, who've made him their Lord. He's coming for them. He's prepared a place for them. So there's definitely distinctions in between the two events. Okay, we're going to have a look at some of those scriptures. So the wedding, let's look at this one. Next one for me. Revelation 19, 6 to 9. Uh, If you've got your Bibles, feel free to turn there. Revelation 19, 6 to 9. And I heard, as it were, the voice of a great multitude, as the sound of many waters and as the sound of mighty thunderings, saying, Hallelujah! For the Lord God on impotent reigns. I was thinking of this when we were worshipping the Lord earlier, you know, like the heavens are roaring. I'm like, yeah, I know what they're saying. (laughs) They're saying, hallelujah, the Lord God on impotent reigns. Let us be glad and rejoice and give him glory. For the marriage of the Lamb has come and his wife has made herself ready. And to her it was granted to be arrayed in fine linen, clean and bright. 
For the fine linen is the righteous acts of the saints. Then he said to me, write, blessed are those who are called to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he said to me, these are the true sayings of God. Wow, there is going to be a wedding feast. According to Galilean tradition, because Jesus was a Galilean and all of his disciples were Galilean, um, their wedding tradition is once you're betrothed, the bridegroom goes back to the father's house and he builds an extension. He builds another room. And when it's ready, at a time he's not going to know, the father will say to him, go and get your bride. And they will go with the sound of the chauffeurs, usually in the middle of the night, and they come to sweep the bride off her feet and take her back. And they have a seven-day wedding feast to celebrate where all the guests come in and they shut the door and they celebrate for seven days. So this is what he's saying. I'm about to have a wedding feast. I'm about to sweep my bride off her feet and carry her away to be in my father's house with me. And she's going to be beautiful and clothed in clean and bright linen, fine linen. How lovely, the marriage supper of the Lamb. And it's uh, heralded by this amazing song sung in heaven. So many people are singing. It sounds like waters and thunder. Can you imagine? Have you ever been in a room like a stadium with a lot of people and heard the volume? It's pretty amazing, isn't it? (laughs) Uh, There's just nothing like that atmosphere. All right. Let's go to the next one. 1 Thessalonians 4, 13 to 18. Love this passage. And it says this. Uh, this is Paul writing to the Thessalonians. But I do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning those who have fallen asleep or, as other translations say, who have died, lest you sorrow as others who have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, are you in that group here today? Who believes Jesus died and rose again? Amen. Even so, God will bring with him those who sleep in Jesus. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will by no means precede those who are asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout. (laughs) You see, God is not always just dignified. (laughs) When he's coming to get us, it says he shouts. (laughs) I wonder what kind of shout it would be. If it was me, I'd be like, yes! Woo! Okay, sorry, I just had my moment. Okay, um, he will descend from heaven with a shout with the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. So this coming is a coming just for his people, and he doesn't come to the earth. He meets us. We meet him in the air. Heavenly transport, Boeing 757. And thus we shall always be with the Lord. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. 
absolutely a comfort. Let's look at another one here. This is just some of the ones in that category that said rapture, where I was showing you those different scriptures for the different times. So Titus 2, 13 to 14, looking for the blessed hope. I've got to tell you, I, I did hear this from someone else. But it's called a blessed hope because he comes and he rescues us before the judgment comes on this world. So one person said, that's why it's called the blessed hope, not the blasted hope. <laughs> it's the blessed hope and glorious appearing of our great God and Saviour, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from every lawless deed and purify for himself his own special people, zealous for good works. Okay, go to the next one for me. Thank you. So that's, that's some of the ones in that first category. Now we're going to look at, you'll see the difference with the verses that are referring to Jesus coming for judgment upon the earth. So Jude 14 to 15 now, Enoch, the seventh from Adam, prophesied about these men also, saying, Behold, the Lord comes with ten thousands of his saints. You see the difference here? He's not coming for us. He's coming with us. He's coming with ten thousands of his saints to execute judgment on all, to convict all who are ungodly among them, of all their ungodly deeds which they have committed in an ungodly way and of all the harsh things which ungodly sinners have spoken against him. Oh, I am so glad that our God is not just a God of love, but he's also a God of justice. Because can you imagine... If nobody ever had to give an account for anything, what kind of um, uh, king or ruler would that be? But for those who have rejected Jesus, they will face him one day. But they're not going to face him as their Lord and Saviour. They're going to face him as their judge. The scripture says all judgment is committed unto Christ, unto the Lamb. It's pretty... Pretty awesome. All right, next one. Thanks, Josh. Revelation 19, 11 to 16. Christ on a white horse. Whew, love this. Now I saw heaven opened and behold a white horse. And he who sat on him was called faithful and true. And in righteousness he judges and makes war. His eyes were like a flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns. He had a name written that no one knew except himself. He was clothed with a robe dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. And the armies in heaven, clothed in fine linen, white and clean. We just read about who they were, remember, in the marriage supper of the Lamb? They were clothed in white, clean linen, the bride. Um, followed him on white horses. Now out of his mouth goes a sharp sword, that with it he should strike the nations. And he himself will rule them with a rod of iron. And he himself treads the winepress of the fierceness and the wrath of Almighty God. And he has on his robe and on his thigh a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. 
Ooh. I can only imagine the terror when the sky splits open and here comes Jesus riding to earth with his heavenly armies behind him, all on white horses, and there's that name for all to see. This is the King of kings and Lord of lords. I can imagine people hitting the deck going, man, I've been deceived. I've been following the wrong Christ, the wrong God. And... Um, in that moment, it says every knee will bow and every tongue confess Jesus is Lord. So who is he judging and what is this time period about? Once Jesus takes his church, then there is a time, it says there's never been a time like this in history and there never will be another one like this, where the wrath of God is poured out on the sons of disobedience. It's known as the tribulation or the great tribulation. And it's spoken of in Revelation and in Daniel and Ezekiel and many of the minor prophets and major prophets throughout the Bible. In fact, there are only about 300 references to Jesus' first coming. There are over 2,000 prophetic references to his second coming. That's how big an event this is. It tells us that there is a twofold purpose. It is for the nation of Israel to realize their true Messiah and come back to God. And it is for judgment of the wicked. That is what that time of tribulation will be all about. Now, when you read through Revelation, sometimes people say to me, oh, you know, I'll be right I'm, I'm stocking up enough food for seven years because the tribulation goes for seven years. And I think, have you read the book? It's not a good time. There's worldwide earthquakes. Imagine if you stockpiled enough food for seven years and an earthquake buried it all. You know, like, this is not a time to think you're going to get through it. This is a time, and we'll see with one of these next scriptures, where God is promising to keep us from it because it's going to be that severe. Okay, can you go to the next one for me? Revelation 3.3. 3. So Jesus is talking to um, the Leo, not the Laodicean, sorry. Um, which one is this? Let me have a look. I'll tell you which church it is. Revelation. So the title of this church is the Dead Church. I mean, how sad is that? Um, because he says that he knows you have a name that you are alive, but you are dead. So this church, it looks like it's alive, but it lacks the spirit. There's no spirit. There's no life. Be watchful and strengthen the things which remain that are ready to die, for I have not found your works perfect before God. Remember, therefore, how you have received and heard. Hold fast and repent. Therefore, if you will not watch, I will come upon you as a thief and you will not know what hour I will come to you. So this is an indictment against this church. He's saying you should be watching so you know what hour I'm coming. If you're not watching, I'm going to end up coming upon you like a thief. Let's look at this next scripture. There's actually quite a few references about the, the thief in the night. 
1 Thessalonians 5, 1 to 11. But concerning the times and seasons, brethren, you have no need that I should write to you. For you yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so comes as a thief in the night. For when they shall say, peace and safety, then sudden destruction comes upon them as labor pains upon a pregnant woman, and they shall not escape. But you, brethren are not in darkness, so that this day should overtake you as a thief. Do you see the difference? There's two distinguishing groups of people when it's talking about this day of the Lord. You are all sons of light and sons of the day. We are not of the night nor of the darkness. Therefore, let us not sleep as others do, but let us watch and be sober For those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who get drunk are drunk at night. But let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love, and as a helmet, the hope of salvation. That's what should be on our mind, our hope of salvation. And more so than ever, like this world is just getting so wicked. I cannot even watch the news anymore. It just is so horrible. Um, So having a helmet of hope as salvation, hope of salvation is the perfect thing for our minds to be fixed on. For it says, God did not appoint us to wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. We are not appointed for the wrath of God. That is for, it says, the sons of disobedience. And we saw in Jude... For the ungodly who are doing things in an ungodly way, blaspheming him, that's what the wrath of God is designed for. But not for us. Verse 10, who died, Jesus, who died for us, that whether we wake or sleep, we should live together with him. Therefore, comfort each other and edify one another just as you are doing. So good. Can you go to that next one for me, Josh? All right. Does your heart yearn for him? Are you looking for that wedding? Are you excited about the bridegroom coming for you? I know. I have to say, I I can start my morning like that and I can end in the second category caught up in the things of this world and my day oh this happened and that happened and this person said this and I didn't get that finished and I've got to do that and anyone else feel like that what if what if we could learn to walk so in step with the Lord that when he comes it will be so natural um Reinhard Bonnke, that great evangelist that saw over 70, 70 million souls won for Jesus through his ministry. Um, A couple of days before he died, or it might have even been the day um, of his passing, uh, they said to him, oh, are you just so excited about seeing Jesus? You must be so excited. He said, well, he's with me even now, so it won't be a shock. He just knew him so well. He talked to him so often. His his voice was just ever-present. 
And he, and he was just like, for him, it would just be so completely normal to be in the presence of God. Wow. This reminds me of the church in Revelation. The only one that didn't have any indictments against it. The church of Philadelphia. Oh, two, sorry, didn't have indictments. The persecuted church also didn't. Um, and what Jesus says to this church, it's the church of Philadelphia, which means brotherly love. So this church was known for its love for one another. And um, sorry, I'm just trying to find it for you because I don't have it in my notes. Here we go. Uh, Revelation 3, 7. And to the angel of the church in Philadelphia write, These things says he who is holy, who is true, who has the key of David, he who opens and no one shuts and shuts and no one opens. I know your works. See, I've set before you an open door and no one can shut it. For you have little strength, have kept my word and have not denied my name. And he says, because you have kept my command to persevere, I will also keep you from the hour of trial which shall come upon the whole world to test those who dwell on the earth. Behold, I am coming quickly. Hold fast what you have that no one may take your crown. It's just beautiful. Because you've persevered, you've stuck with me, your heart has remained with me, then I tell you what, I'm going to keep you from that hour of trial that's coming on the whole world. Beautiful promise to that church. Does your heart yearn for him? Because at the end of the day, that's all that really matters. Sometimes I have to remind myself, when I get to heaven, I'm not going to say, I'm so glad I got my dishes done every night. You know, <laughs> that's not going to be important. What if the dishes waited till morning and I just spent a little bit more time with him? He's all that matters. Can you go to that next one for me, Josh? Thank you. <sighs> okay, this is where it gets tough for me because this parable that I'm about to unpack, it really... I see it coming to pass before my eyes and it really hurts. There's an invitation and we're going to have a look at the whole parable. Can you go to the next one for me, Josh? So Luke 14, I don't have it on the screen, so you will have to turn there too if you want to. Luke 14 and um, This is, for me, it's both so sad but also so exciting because I see both aspects of it already happening. Sorry, Luke 14, 15 starts. Okay, so this is the parable of the Great Supper. Now, when one of those who sat at the table with Jesus, now the people sitting at this table in this setting were Pharisees. Some of them actually invited Jesus into their home. Amazing. And uh, he's telling them this parable. Um, he said to him, Blessed is he who shall eat bread in the kingdom of God. Then he said to him, A certain man gave a great supper and invited many. 
he sent his servant at supper time to say to those who were invited, Come, for all things are now ready. So there's this great supper. Another uh, gospel who has this same parable in it says that it was a king who actually was putting on this supper. Now, I have never been invited to sit at a king or queen's table. And I'm sure I would not forget the invitation if I had. Um, But it says, verse 18, But they all with one accord began to make excuses. The first said to him, I have bought a piece of ground and I must go and see it. I ask you to have me excused. And another said, I have bought five yoke of oxen and I am going to test them. I ask you to have me excused. Still another said, I have married a wife and therefore I cannot come. Sorry. You know when you hear bad excuses for why kids didn't do their homework? Well, like that has to top the list of bad excuses. I'm like, what kind of wife did you marry that won't let you go to a great supper? You poor man. All right. Um, I cannot come. So that servant came and reported these things to his master. So for me, this is the super sad part of this parable. Because these were the invited ones. Do you invite strangers to your home on a regular basis? If you're wanting to have a meal with someone, do you normally invite someone you know? Yeah. You, you welcome people into your home that you have a relationship with. So these people are invited to a great supper. There must have been some kind of relationship, but over time, that relationship obviously was neglected. Because when the call went out, come, all things are now ready. Can you believe it? This big, beautiful supper table, all the cutlery polished to perfection, every napkin without a crease, everything's ready. And the excitement and the anticipation, okay, go and tell them we're ready. Come on in. We're rolling out the red carpet. You know, we've got the live orchestra over here. It's going to be amazing. And then they go out and they're like, it's time. It's time. Come. Come to the banquet. And, And one's like, oh, I really need to go and see my block of land. I'm really sorry. I can't come. I mean, what do you mean you need to see a block of land? The chicken is roasted. You should smell the aromas in that room. I mean, and dessert table. Oh, like, come on, you've got to come. No, no, I've really got to go and check out my block of land. I'm so sorry. I can't come. So he goes to the next house. He says, ah, come, come on, come on, it's time to go. And um, he's like, oh, no, I just bought me some cows. Hey, you want to see how, they, how good they are at ploughing for me? So I'm going to go and just go and test them, you know, that's it, come on. This servant can't understand. And then the last one, the man answers the door and he's like, come. Oh, mate, the missus, I got married and I don't know how to tell you this, but I can't come. And um, he just goes back. He's like, what? What on earth? 
Verse 21 says, Then the master of the house, being angry, and I can appreciate that, said to his servant, Go out quickly into the streets and the lanes of the city and bring in here the poor and the maimed and the lame and the blind. And the servant said, Master, it is done as you commanded, and still there is room. Then the master said to the servant, Go out into the highways and the hedges and compel them to come in that my house may be filled. For I say to you that none of those men who were invited shall taste my supper. This is such a warning not to let our love for the Lord grow cold through the busyness of our lives, through all the things that clamor for our attention and our time. Oh, how many times have I even in my heart sort of said, not now, Lord, I need to get this done. Oh, can we do that another day? But he's challenging us. Everything else needs to fall aside and let him take that number one place in our lives and our hearts. Because when he says, come, I want to be ready. I want to say, I remembered I've been watching for your servant to arrive. Look, I'm even in my wedding clothes. I'm coming. And I haven't eaten all day so I can fit all the food in. I'm ready. I'm prepared. Look what's happening. Those that looked like they were religious and had it all together and were following God, they ended up doing their own thing. And the rejects of society... Those that weren't considered important enough by others, they were the ones that filled the place. And this is what I'm seeing at the moment, that God is calling from everywhere. Whoever will come. Not the ones who think they're so important, but the ones who realise they're not. And they wonder and they marvel at his grace and his goodness that he called me. Can you imagine The lame, the lame were called to this great supper. The blind. How many servants would have he had to send out to bring these ones in? And this is what I believe God is saying to us. Are we prepared to reach out to the ones that take a bit more work to bring in? The lame, the maimed, the blind. Even the ones in the highways and the hedges. The only kind of people I can think of that would be found in hedges would be homeless people. This is inconvenient. This is not five oxen all in a row plowing my field, doing my thing. No, it's inconvenient for the servants, but they're going out and they're compelling. What is compelling these people to come in? It's the love, the love of the king saying, I want you at my table. I can, I can picture someone who's lame and has begged their whole life being carried by, by two people to the king's table. Can you imagine what would be going through his head? Saying, I've never been invited to anything like this. This is, are you sure he wants me? I've never sat at a table before. I've never been invited for a meal before. Yes, you're wanted. Yes, you're received. Wow. Can you go to the next slide for me, Josh? Thank you. 
the Lord said unto that servant, go into the highways and the hedges and compel them to come in that my house may be filled. It's his time. He's about to say, come, all things are now ready. Our job must be to go and gather as many as we can. Whoever will listen, whoever will receive him. Go to the next one for me. Oh, just pause, sorry, because we're going to need the volume up. Um, this song ah, is by Keith Green, for those who know Keith Green. And um, it's a song he wrote for his parents, but it's really talking about this parable. And um, being bold enough to just say, look, I know you don't want to hear this, but I love you enough to say, there is a heaven. There is a God who is preparing an amazing place if you would only receive him. And to as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God. So if we can just put the volume up and maybe hit the lights. It's just the words. But it's very touching.
Isn't that Jesus? Isn't it Joseph and Mary's son? Well, didn't he grow up right here? He played with our children. What? He must be kidding. Thinks he's a prophet. Well, prophets don't grow up from little boys. Do they? From little boys. Do they? Josh, if you can go to the next slide, we'll put the lights, house lights back on. Oh, um, just go to the one with the picture of the clock again for me. That one. Thank you. Wow. You see, when Jesus came the first time, they said the same thing. <clears throat> what? He's from Nazareth. We, we, we saw him grow up in our community. He's a prophet. No. That's not what we thought it would look like. Let's not miss the time we're in because it's not what we thought it would look like. <clears throat> and let's not miss our invitation because we're too caught up in the affairs of this world. I want to go back to where we started with John 14 and that beautiful promise where Jesus said, I go to prepare a place for you and I will come again and receive you to myself that where I am, you may be also. Why don't you stand to your feet with me this morning? I want to give two invitations today to those in this room and to those watching online. The first invitation I want to give is for those who may never have actually heard the call before yet. Maybe you didn't realize there's a God in heaven who loves you so much that he sent his only begotten son to die for you. For you, so that you will not perish but have everlasting life. This same Jesus that is coming again, firstly for his people and then with his people. And if you want to receive him, it's as simple as ABC. The scripture says, admit you're a sinner. That's what the A is. Do you know, I heard a very sad story of a woman on her deathbed. And she did not want to hear about the name of Jesus. She said, don't tell me about Jesus. I don't need him. I'm a good person. I, I'm not a sinner. I'm a good person. And that lady went into eternity without God. We can't face the righteous judge and think we're good enough because we're not. The Bible says, and this is the second part, that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We've all sinned. We've all fallen short of His high standard. Not one of us has been able to reach the mark. But the second half of that verse is, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. The second one, A, B. B is believe. Believe in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead and you will be saved. Believe in your heart that he died for you 
that his blood would cleanse you of your sin. And C is commit. Commit your life to following Jesus and confess. Confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you will be saved. If you want to be included in that today, just as heads about across this place, those watching online, if you want to be included, why don't you raise your hand? I'm going to lead you in a prayer. It's just a simple prayer. Thank you. And if you're at home, you, you raise your hand too. Say, I'm in on this. I'm in on this prayer. Why don't we all say this together? Dear Jesus, I confess I am a sinner. Wash me clean. I believe that you died and rose again. And that you are Lord. And I commit to following you. Thank you for making me a child of God. And thank you that you're preparing a place for me. I love you, Jesus. I am yours. In your name, amen. Thank you. You know, I, I can sense that shout going on in heaven. <laughs> they get real excited when one lost sinner comes home. Hey, the second invitation I want to give this morning is just to realign your heart. If you've allowed stuff to crowd in, fears, worries, anxieties, busyness, troubles, anything, let's just take this moment and realize the invitation is not coming from me, it's coming from Jesus. Do you remember what he said? Come, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. He wants to refresh you today. So just bow your heads. If you want to be included in this prayer, why don't you just raise your hand or just open your hearts up. And we're just going to pray. Father God, I pray that you would refresh your people today. That, Father, you would help us to refocus. That you are our one desire. That you mean more to us than anything or anyone in this world. And that we are ready to hear that trumpet call and your voice saying, come. When that time arrives, Lord, we love you and we want you to be our number one. Help us to realign today to keep you as the main thing. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Wonderful. Well, have a wonderful week. Have a God-filled week. Go out there into the highways and the hedges. And bring them in. Compel them to come in. And for those who are here this afternoon, we'll see you at three o'clock for The Chosen. Thank you. Be blessed. <laughs>